Welcome in. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We are on the air, and uh, we are broadcasting live. We're here at the Lakers Ice Center. We are out in Sheboygan is where you can find us. If you're in the area, come on by and say hello. We're going to be here until 2 o'clock today, and we're here with our friends from Cunis RV and the Cunis RV Great Midwest RV Show. And uh, I posted some stuff on uh, Facebook. It'll probably pop up here shortly, but uh, good to have you on board. Um, Ben Kenny producing the program, by the way. If you want to get a hold of us, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. In addition to that, you can find us on Twitter at Bill underscore Michaels, at Bill underscore Michaels. You can also track Ben down at Ben Z. Kenny over on uh, Twitter as well, at Ben Z. Kenny. You can find him there, and uh, you can find us uh, numerous different ways. You can find us on uh, on Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook.com slash the Bill Michael Show. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Twitch TV. You can find the link over on Twitter. You can get a hold of us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts as well. And don't forget about the apps. Uh, if you want to download WOZN, The Zone, out of Madison, you can find us there also. Uh, ben, was yesterday, sporting-wise, in the state of Wisconsin, not one of the ugliest days ever? Oh, it was, yeah, it was bad. I was going to start the show by asking you if you're ice skating. But I figure uh, no. the ice center probably has other things aside from ice skating. Yes, the ice center uh, currently doesn't have any ice. It is uh, all uh, melted out the door, and it is full of RVs, as a matter of fact, as uh, as we sit here today. But, uh, man, oh, man. Uh, yes. Yeah, and then uh, for those who are on the live stream, you can kind of you can kind of see into the ice arena a little bit and uh, see the front setup for uh, Cunis and some of the RVs and and such. But that being said... Uh, man, uh, where, where do you want to begin? Um, is the brewer season over? <laughs> Are they dead? Is it's it time not to push over. the panic button? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say this, though. I can't tell you how many people said, same old brewers. Same old brewers. Uh, can't hit, timely hitting. They had bases loaded yesterday. Rowdy Telez grounds into an ending, ending, ending double play. They had some opportunities, but for the most part, they just couldn't couldn't string together hits. So, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of the wash, rinse, repeat from people, and I'm thinking it's one game. It's remember what I said though yesterday when Christian Yelich led off the game, and I said, you know, I always hearken back to the the movie Major League, and uh, listening to Euchre say, you can always tell what kind of season it's going to be by the by the leadoff hitter, and then Willie Mays Hayes does that. Excuse me. You know, like it tries to get out of a way of an inside pitch, and the bat makes contact. It dribbles down a third base line, and he ends up beating it out, and, and he gets on, and then he ends up getting picked off uh, over at first. So that was kind of the way their season started. But they ended up winning the uh, winning the pennant. So the Brewers' first batter yesterday uh, goes down an knee buckling breaking ball in Christian Yelich, and uh, uh, three strikes, and he's out and. Uh, it pretty much went that way for the most part the rest of the game. But that being said, the uh, there was not much to write home about. And I, it, what's funny is I'm driving down because I'm going to the Bucks game last night. I'm driving down to the Fiserv, and I'm listening to different shows in the Milwaukee area. As God is my witness, one of the shows said, well, you know, the weather was a factor. <laughs> I just like you're reaching for whatever pile of crap you can pull out of your pants, aren't you? Although it was the weather. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of like when people say, you know, uh, the weather for in a football game, oh, it, it mattered. Unless you're a team coming out of the tip of Miami to 25 below in Green Bay, 
the weather's not much of a factor. It, it, you know, everybody's got to play in it. Everybody's got to do their thing in it. You got to hit. You got to catch. You got to pitch. You know, and uh, they're reaching for anything at that point. I'm like, you know what? It, it's opening day. They got beat. Call it a day. You move on. You get to the next day. You get to the next game, and so be it. Now, the box stunk. Uh, thanks to Peter Fagan, uh, who came up to the box last night, and I got a chance to sit down and talk with him a little bit. Uh, the Bucks president, he's such a gracious guy and, and, and so good to, to so many people down there. And I had a great time. We had a great time in the Mick Ultra Suite, which I had never been in before. And it was really, it was really cool. Uh, it was, it was really a neat deal. So that was great. I mean, it started off great. We got in there, we sat down in our seats, we're sitting at this little bar that they have up there. And everything's perfect. And you're like, this is great. Now you just want to see this good game. And it was an ass-kicking from pretty much the word go. I think it was maybe two, three minutes in, something like that. And then it was nothing, a whole bunch of nothing. At one point, the Bucks, when I looked up, the Bucks were shooting 15% beyond the arc. I mean, it wasn't like they were, you know, one of – you know, one of six. They were like three of nineteen or three of twenty or twenty-one. I mean, it was, it was awful. And had it not been for Giannis, just finally just saying to hell with this, I'm just going to start taking it to the hoop. Uh, it, they would have been blown out by fifty easy. And, and it was, you know, I mean, the Bucks basically called the dogs off. The uh, the the Celtics then they pounded a little bit uh, and even down to the end. Blake Blake Griffin's such a jag, isn't he? He just is. Uh, but I uh, ended up getting a little testy with uh, Giannis's brother. But uh, I'll tell you this, you look at the record against the Celtics, the only game, the only game the Bucks have beaten the Celtics, I think they're like um, two and five in the last seven or something like that against the Celtics. Against the Celtics, the only game they got this year was the game in which the Celtics basically rested everybody. And that was, I think, February. And and the Celtics rested everybody. I I'll tell you this. I the Celtics just have the ability to outshoot and outscore the Bucks because the Bucks do not play any semblance of perimeter defense. None. They're just gonna let you shoot. They're slow afoot. And a team that passes the basketball as fast and as efficient as the Celtics do, Bucks are gonna struggle with them in the postseason. I don't doubt that. I think the Bucs are a really, really good team and probably the best team in the NBA overall. But there's always that one nemesis, and that's the Celtics. I don't know if the Bucs are going to be able to beat them. I mean, I hate to be the bucket of cold water early on, and I know people get on me for it about how good they are. But the Bucs got drilled on Christmas Day by the Celtics. They barely beat Malcolm Brogdon and company when they sat damn near everybody in that game in February, and they got beat almost by 50 last night. By 50. By 50. There was no fight in that team at all. By 50. It, it was just, it was terrible. It was an awful game last night. Uh, and then you got uh, one uh, Mr. Davis going into the portal. How much does that matter, Ben? I think it's somewhat expected. Uh, that is Jordan Davis. He wanted Davis. more playing time. Yeah, uh, going into the portal from the Badgers. I mean, yeah. they're going to add a bunch of guys. And with adding guys comes likely a significant drop in playing time. With yeah. what we want this team to be, he probably didn't fit into the consistent rotation going forward. So I think it makes sense for, for both parties. I mean, he could go somewhere yeah. where he'll start and play well. I don't think it fits next year. So it's not all that surprising. 
Yeah, it it's and you know he got he averaged to what about twenty minutes a game, uh, f- five six points a game. It's it's you know he'll go maybe to a smaller school, be a big fish in a smaller pond, maybe hone his skill a little bit more. But you know, I mean, I know people were like, "Oh my God, Johnny Davis's brother's leaving," and it's like, okay, just slow your roll. It's okay. It's. I, you know, you hate to see it because of legacy, but beyond that, you know, okay, don't worry about it. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Move on. There's no ill will. He just wanted more playing time. It's not like he was mad. He just kind of, I'm sure he sat down with Greg Gard and said, uh, hey, coach, what are your plans? And Greg Gard said, no, uh, not going to get much more play. As a matter of fact, he lost his starting job. Jordan lost his starting job earlier this year. He had a starting job, and he lost it. So I don't see this as some kind of major detriment to the program or for those that want to point a finger at Greg Garden some way, like that's some kind of you know indictment of the program. No, this is just a guy who wanted more playing time, who wasn't getting it, who ended up uh, losing his starting job, wanting to move on. So that's all it is. Nothing more than that. Nothing to see here. So Brewers lose. They're back at it again tomorrow. Uh, and you know what? It's only one game. I'm not concerned about it. No big deal. Uh, the Bucks no losing. Yeah, I know. I know. If, if 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 people are jumping off the bridge, that's one thing. But I, you know, I yeah, I, I just I in, in, the only thing you can do in the month of April is lose your division. You can't win it. You can just stay close, hang on until really the pack begins to separate in one way, shape, or form. That's it. There's nothing more to it than that. I know there's a lot of people that want to read a lot of stuff into it, but it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. It's one game. One game. In a long, long, long... Remember last year they got off to the best start in franchise history. And we all remember how that ended. After they traded Hayter, everything went right down to Quack Crapper and was swirling a ball. So, I'm, you know, hey, if you lose one and you win the next ten, who cares? I'll take it. Hopefully, they just win the next one. You don't want to start off on some massive losing streak, that's for sure. But hopefully, remember, they they ended up winning, was it 13 straight going into that Easter break, and then all of a sudden they lost 13 straight. So here we remember a lot of that stuff. Not worried about it uh, at all. I think what, what makes it stink a little more is they got beat by the Cubs. I saw a lot of Cubs fans with the fly the W stuff yesterday. It's opening day. You have every right to get enthusiastic. But as far as being a Brewers fan, I think it's it, 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 it might just be a burr under your saddle a little bit. That you lost opening day and you lost to the Cubs. You come, you know, you get another win, you come back home, get some wins at home, you're good to go. Good to go. I know that's not the narrative you wanna <laughs> you wanna preach, Ben, because uh, I know how you love uh, the uh, the sky is falling. But uh, when it comes to the Brewers and the inability to hit and should they have left Burns in longer and Burns gave up those four runs. and Oh, my God, he he had given up quite a few runs in his last couple of outings and Burns has lost it. They needed to get rid of him. And it's like, oh, my God, just just settle. Just settle down, people. It's all good. I agree. So all good. There is one thing. And this is going to be my confirmation bias just leading to an overreaction after the first day. But there's, okay. there's no way Jesse Winker can hit second on this team. No. In my opinion. And I said that when the lineup came out. It was the one thing that stuck out. The the ceiling, if he hits, it, it, it's amazing. It's a it's a low-priced guy that you think has a 
has a high ceiling and can contribute. But for the last two years, he has not been a very relevant hitter in the majors. And then he comes right. out over four with three strikeouts. It's like if Yelich is getting on base, you can't have a walking a walking human strikeout right behind him. Right. Yep. No, I completely agree. And that'll all get sorted out as the season goes on. It'll all get sorted out. So we are uh, we are here. We're live at uh, the uh, Cunis RV, Great Midwest RV Show. We're in the uh, Lakers Ice Center. We're in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. And it's pretty easy to find, actually. If you just you know program it in, you're good to go. If you're in the area, you probably know where it is already. Uh, but no ice in here today. Just a whole RVs and campers and travel trailers and accessories and you know, all kinds of good stuff. And already people coming in and milling around a little bit, even though the weather was kind of uh, iffy this morning, specifically in this area, as you get around the peninsula and you start uh, you start uh, up in the foggy area. But the fog's burned up off for the most part. You're going to have a few you know, showers, so why not come indoors? Come on indoors and uh, walk through the uh, Cunis RV, Great Midwest RV show. Uh, compliments of our uh, fine, fine sponsor. That is Cunis RV. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. we got a lot of stuff to get to. By the way, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers' news, none of it. None of it. Did you see, though, what the fan had to say? WFAN in New York. I'll tell you what they said uh, about the Packers. That's coming up next. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Moving into hour number three, welcome back to the program. We are broadcasting live at the Sheboygan Lakers Ice Center. For the Greater Midwest RV Show, and it's brought to you by our friends at Cunis RV, voted the best RV dealership in the state of Wisconsin. That is our friends at Cunis RV. Good stuff. Um, I tell you this, uh, the, today they couldn't be playing baseball. It's, it's coming down pretty good. Cats, dogs, buckets, that kind of thing. So uh, today's a good day to be off. Brewers back at it against the Cubs tomorrow. Woodruff goes to the hill for the crew. Yesterday they get blanked. And to talk more about it from uh, from Chicago, our buddy uh, Todd Rosiak of the Journal Sentinel now joining us. Todd, how you doing? Hey, Bill. How's it going? Well, it's uh, it's going. I mean, uh, you know, yesterday was for all the people that were saying that they weren't going to have offense and they couldn't hit and it was going to be same old, same old. Boy, those people had a voice yesterday. Uh, but give me your thoughts first and foremost. Yeah, you know, yesterday I'm not overly concerned about. Talk about the team and this season, and maybe what the expectations realistically realistically should be. Uh, I, I think the expectations should be. I think what they were going into spring training after uh, they made the majority of their moves in the off season, which is to contend for a Central Division title. You know, this is game one of 162. I, I understand the narrative out there. I understand, you know, people panic after one poor performance, but it was game one in bad weather conditions on opening day. You know, you turn the page and you move on. This is still a very good team with an excellent starting rotation. Um, you know, the offense is going to be a work in progress, I'm sure. You know, people saw yesterday that it obviously was not clicking on all cylinders. I think the bullpen is going to be a work in progress as well. Um, there were some good performances yesterday behind Corbin Burns from that unit. Um, but, you know, one game certainly does not uh, dampen, I think, what the expectations are internally by the Brewers, which is to 
compete with the Cardinals and what looks like a much better Cubs team for the Central Division title. So let's let's go to Corbin Burns real quick. Uh, the last couple of starts that he had in spring training, not great. Yesterday, uh, first couple of innings, really good. And then after that, struggled a little bit. Uh, give me your thoughts on Corbin Burns. Um, I, I uh, was, was communicating with a pretty trusted confidant today, and he made a good point to me about um, the, the, the pitch clock. You know, and this has been something that's been worked on um, all through the spring. So it's obviously not anything that's a surprise to any pitcher. Everybody's been working on it for the last six weeks or so. But, you know, once, um, you know, the games start counting for real and you're really competing out there, uh, it's probably going to take a little bit of time. And I think perhaps Corbin Burns um, yesterday in a, in a normal situation without the pitch clock would have been taking more time. He wasn't always the fastest pitcher before these new rules anyway. So, uh, you know, maybe there's going to be a little bit of a, a transition period for these guys to, to get used to it. Uh, you know, maybe a guy like Brandon Woodruff tomorrow will be better with it. We don't know. Um, but I, I definitely think that could have been could have been a factor. Uh, you know, Corbin Burns after the game, as, as he always does, you know, steps up and, and takes responsibility for what, you know, for how he pitches. And obviously was not a, was not a great performance out there. Um, you know, another possibility to perhaps factor in is still trying to get on the same page with William Contreras, the new catcher too. Um, you know, the limited amount of time to work with him in spring training and still kind of, you know, perhaps figuring out the kinks and so forth. But again, game one out of 162, uh, way, 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 way too early to panic. How has Contreras fit in? Uh, just give me your thoughts on him through camp. Uh, really well, really well. He got uh, very high marks from Craig Council the other day when I asked about um, Contreras' camp. He said it could not have gone better. It's obviously a, a crash course for a guy like him who's coming in, who's new in the organization, coming in. Um, you know, most of those six weeks were spent getting familiar with the pitchers, uh, catching all the pitchers, learning how they want games called, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are. Uh, watching a lot of video, and then there was a lot of work, of course, on the, you know, the, just the defensive side. And this is a guy that came in with not the greatest rep as a defensive catcher, and the Brewers have done a great job over the last few years developing guys like that. Omar Narvaez had that same rep coming in from Seattle in 2020, and they really completely flipped the script with him to where he was an all-catch, no-hit catcher by the time he left. So, um, you know, working on the defense, working on the pitch framing, all those, you know, finer nuances of the catching game, um, you know, and kind of getting those squared away. Uh, offensively, it was not the greatest camp for Contreras, but I think we all know that, you know, the, the offense is going to be there in the long run for him. So um, I, I certainly would expect a, a good year for him and a year where he's going to be catching really, you know, the majority of time. So uh, I believe he caught started 57 games of catcher for the Braves last year. I would I would easily expect that number to double this year with the Brewers. Was there any thought? Uh, I know Ben and I had talked a little bit about yesterday with Christian Yelich leading off and then Jesse Winker uh, batting early on in that in that lineup with Rowdy Telez batting cleanup. It, will that? I mean, obviously. Craig Council loves to tinker with the lineup, move guys all around, but how much movement do you think there will be throughout the season? Uh, I think Yelich, uh, based on Council's comments yesterday and, and the day before, I think Yelich is 
pretty much going to be cemented in that leadoff spot. Um, you know, of course, things are subject to change, you know, a few months in perhaps. But the, on, beneath him, I think there's going to be plenty of movement. Um, you know, the, the alignment yesterday was just Craig Council thought that, uh, you know, that was the best way to generate consistent base runners. We all saw that didn't happen, obviously. But, um, you know, the, the goal is obviously to get guys on base consistently ahead of Rowdy, ahead of Contreras. Um, you know, those, 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 uh, run producers in the middle of the lineup. So I, I think it's, what's going to be interesting and something to watch this season is down at the bottom of the lineup, you're going to have Jared Mitchell and, and presumably Bryce Terang a lot of days. Um, you know, those guys could really be secondary table setters with their skill sets. You know, those are guys who are adept at slapping the ball, just getting on base anyway, and, and, and they have speed. So. You know, if you can get those guys on ahead of Yelich, ahead of Winker, if he's batting second, then uh, you know, then you could be in business. The um, the the team itself, uh, Todd. When you look at the division in which they play, and you start to go pound for pound around the infield, the outfield, and such, they they no, hands down they got tremendous starting pitching. And I said yesterday, if guys hit, if Garrett Mitchell hits, if guys, if if Christian Yelich can give you an average and get on base, if you can continue to do things like that, the only Achilles heel then would be the question mark in the bullpen. Would that not be accurate? Yeah, I, I definitely think that that, you know, if you, if you look at the team as a whole, that would be the, the one major question mark right now. And obviously the, you know, the most important role closer is filled and they have one of the best in the game and Devin Williams. But beyond that, there's a lot of question marks. And I would assume that there's going to be a lot of, uh, shuffling over the course of the season until Craig Council is able to, kind of narrow down his options, his most reliable options, let's just say that. So it's going to be an interesting mix because there's a handful of guys like uh, Joel Pyamps and uh, Bryce Wilson who do not have any options left, so your flexibility is limited with those guys. You have a handful of younger guys who are going to be able to bounce back and forth between the majors and the minors. So it's going to be a work in progress for a while, I think, trying to – set the uh you know set the stage and, and set the run up to get the ball to Devin Williams when you're winning those games late uh the, the big question mark right to me right now is going to be who takes that eighth inning role that setup role in front of Williams presumably it was Matt Bush uh going into the spring but uh, he was again very homer prone and obviously you don't want a guy like that pitching regularly in the eighth inning if you can help it so that's that's going to be a role that's going to have to kind of shake itself out here uh, I, I would think relatively quickly and I think we could see multiple guys filling that role until somebody does step forward and and show they can do it on a more consistent basis uh we're talking with Todd Rosiak of the Journal Sentinel and talking some Brewers baseball I want to go to Garrett Mitchell Garrett Mitchell uh, a lot of expectation coming into the season it's basically his job to center field wise to lose uh, I and I know there's a lot of hype for him. Don't get me wrong, but I keep thinking back to when we saw Keston Hira come into the league. That initial series he had in Atlanta, which was so incredibly fantastic, the hopes were so high, and now he's clearing waivers and just hanging on to the team. Um, I, I, how what, what difference in there is there with Garrett Mitchell versus what Keston Hira went through for Garrett Mitchell to come in and just be given the center fielder's job to say, you know, this is yours, you've earned it, no problem. Uh, well, I, I mean, you're talking about really two distinctly different players. Keston Hero was a guy who 
was a hitting prodigy but really had no defensive spot. Um, whereas Garrett Mitchell is a guy who whose game centers around his speed. Uh, he's got a terrific throwing arm in the outfield. Uh, very good defensive player who needs his uh, hitting tool to come around a bit. Uh, you know, but this is a guy again, like I mentioned before, who's very adept at kind of slapping at the ball. He can't hit the ball in the ballpark, but he's not afraid to, um, you know, hit the ball on the ground. And he has the speed where he can beat out uh, infield grounders. Uh, if the guys are not <laughs> expeditious in getting the ball over to first base, he's that fast. So, um, I, you know, I think Garrett Mitchell's overall skill set is, is way better and merits uh, an opportunity for him to play every day. The question is, to me, is he going to be able to control the strikeout rate and keep that, that strikeout rate to a manageable uh, percentage to where you can play him out there most days and feel like you're getting the amount of offensive production that you need from that spot? Uh, if not, then obviously the Brewers have options in, in, in the minor leagues. We all know about Sal Freelich. We all know about Joey Weimer. Um, you know, it sounds like Tyrone Taylor's injury. He's kind of turned a corner a little bit there. That's a guy that's uh, got experience in center field and has played the, the past few years and has some power potential. So <clears throat> there are other options if, if Garrett Mitchell does not work out. But I think there's definitely a lot to like about Garrett Mitchell. And, and I think fans, if he's able to stay healthy and, and get an entire season under his belt this year, I think fans are really going to be um, excited about what he brings to the table. Uh, I, I want to go back to the bullpen, and this year this uh, got a lot of looks at a lot of different pitchers, a lot of different arms. Uh, they've only got the one lefty out in the pen in Hobie Milner. How detrimental do you think having just one lefty in the pen will be, especially when you talk um, about middle relief? Yeah, um, I think the Brewers feel good about the – obviously you would like to have maybe at least one more, but – I think the Brewers feel good about the right-handers that they have. Um, several of them are um, very good at pitching. To, they have very good numbers, very good splits against left-handed hitters. So you can kind of mitigate that a little bit. And as we all know, Craig Council is, is very willing to think outside the box, and he's never defined by you know, uh, pitching matchups per se when it comes to matching guys up out of the bullpen. So I, I don't think that... in in the grand scheme of things is going to really handcuff them or, um, you know, harm them way early. That that could be proven false as time goes on. And then maybe they have to to make a move or go out and get somebody. Um, Really the only other internal option they have as far as lefties uh, in the bullpen is is a former first round pick, Ethan Small. And he's, I would say, kind of a ways away from getting back into that that mix in the, in the major league bullpen just because he's transitioning from starting to being a full-time reliever. So uh, that I think that does put some somewhat a bit of uh, pressure on Hobie Milner, who had a heck of a year last year. If they can get anything close to what he did again um, in 2023 to what he did in 2022, that's uh, going to be a real bonus for them. Talking with uh, Todd Rosiak of the Journal Sentinel. Todd, before uh, we cut you loose, the uh, the rules changes, uh, the shift. There was a lot of talk about it yesterday during the broadcast about how this is going to ben- benefit numerous uh, Milwaukee Brewers players. It, will it benefit the Brewers more in the division than it would, say, the Cardinals or the Reds or the Cubs? Um, because it seems like every team is going to gain some kind of benefit, which 
maybe it will, but I think all in all, the banning of the shift only evens the playing field for everybody. Yeah, it definitely does uh, even the playing field. It, 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 just speaking specifically to the Brewers, uh, you know, the one guy in that lineup day in and day out who, you know, you would point to as, as you know, possibly being a, a – uh, or two guys, I should say, who, who would ben- definitely benefit from it would be Christian Yelich and Rowdy Telez, guys who have had a penchant for, you know, really pulling the ball and um, oftentimes with Yelich hitting the ball on the ground to the right side. And, um, you know, we tried talking to those guys throughout the course of spring, and, and I, I think it kind of got to be a moot point with them, and, and they don't want it to really get into their heads too much. But I think, you know, overall – if they were, you know, to speak freely and honestly, I'm sure they're both very happy to not see that extra guy uh, standing in short right field moving forward. And, and, you know, even if you're talking an extra five, ten hits per season, that really can uh, make a difference on your uh, on your final average when, when you wrap up at the end of the season. So anything that they can do, um, you know, to, to, to benefit those guys, I think from their perspective is definitely a good thing. Hey, uh, one more thing, and I, I hate to bug you, but I we were talking about the commissioners, and we were talking a lot about salary cap and such, and whether or not that would ever come around, and I highly, highly doubt it. But we were talking about Bud Sealy. Bud Sealy, he put in interleague play. He ended up with uh, revenue share, steroid testing. I mean, you can go through a wild card. You can go through all of that stuff that Bud did. It's kind of his legacy, and he brought baseball back. So far, what can you say, other than just going to the universal DH, what has Rob Manfred done that has made you say, wow, what a really good commissioner? If anything. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I know he's not the most popular guy. He doesn't have the best, uh, uh, what, you, what you would call it, bedside manner. Um, you know, he's, he has a, he's had a tendency to kind of put his foot in his mouth quite a bit. Uh, maybe, maybe in some ways like Roger Goodell in that aspect. To, to me, I, I think so far the just the, the overall, if you look at the overall picture uh, since he's been in, in, in power, I'm in, I'm in favor of the rules changes and not so much just like saying, hey, we're going to change the game for change's sake. I like the fact that he's open-minded and that baseball's administrators are open-minded about trying to make the game better and more appealing to a wider audience overall. I understand that there's always going to be those uh, hardcore fans that want everything like it was back in you know the 70s or the 80s or whatever, but there's there's to me there's nothing wrong with trying to implement these small changes to speed up the game, to add a little bit more offense, to add to to make it more than just you know what, what we had been watching, which was the three true outcomes: a strikeout, a walk, or a home run, and that you know lengthens games. It, it quite frankly to me made it very boring and um you know this this i think will even the playing field more for everybody it will add more excitement um and it will kind of turn back the clock a little bit and free up the running game and just just make it a better game overall in my opinion so uh just the fact that he's been been open-minded about those sorts of things i think is a good thing and, and, and a good legacy to have now Moving forward, will there be more changes? Perhaps uh, I, I don't ever see a, a way that they're going to implement a salary cap, or yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they do that. How they how they even the playing field between the small market and the big market teams. It's, it's something that just seems like it's um, is, is permanently broken. Hopefully, they can figure something like that out. But in the meantime, I think the rules changes uh, are, are a very good thing. 
Todd, great to talk to you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for the coverage, and we'll touch base throughout the season, okay? You got it. Sounds good. Thanks so much, pal. Talk to you soon. There you go. Todd Rosiak of the Journal Sentinel joining us for a couple of minutes at Todd Ro- underscore Rosiak over on uh, over on Twitter. You can find his stuff there. Thanks to him for joining us, man. Some good stuff and a good breakdown of the Brewers. All is not lost after only one game into the regular season, a game in which the Packer, or the Brewers did not do much, uh, admittedly, but nevertheless, uh, all is not lost. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Robert's Specialty Meats in Waukesha. If you're looking for grillables, if you're looking for tailgate items, that's the place to go. Or maybe you're just looking for good chicken, uh, some of the deli stuff that they have, some of the uh, stuff like, uh, you know, salads, pasta salads, um, potato salads, you name it, they have that as well. They make it fresh there every day. Go go to robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com. That is robertsspecialtymeatswaukesha.com on Sunset Drive in Waukesha. More of the Bill Michael Show live up here in Sheboygan at the uh, Lakers Ice Center. We'll be back right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.